0: Hey everybody, this is Mike Burkholder with Contra Costa News, a podcast for the people and businesses of Contra Costa County. I have Walnut Creek City Council member Kevin Wilk with me. Kevin, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine, thanks, Mike. Have you had better days? <laughs> well, last <laughs> night was an interesting night,
1: and uh, this morning has started off uh, along that same line.
0: Yeah, it's really, really pathetic what happened last night. Um, before we get into that, for those of you that, don't know, that do not know Kevin, uh, he's been on the Walnut Creek Council, City Council since 2016. And uh, before that, you were actually on the Transportation Commission, right? Right. Since for, 2008.
1: Uh, for eight years on Transportation Commission. Actually, Arts Commission, even before that. So I've been involved with the city since 2009. So you've been around a while. I, or actually, 1999, now that I think about it.
0: I have been around a while, yes. And uh, serving Walnut Creek, I mean, well, before we get into the negative I want to start this with positivity. What are you most proud of?
1: I love that Walnut Creek has something for everybody. It's really one of the very few cities in the East Bay that's urban, suburban, and rural as well. We've got horse farms. There's areas that are ranches. And just a mile outside of where the suburban area is, that's where that rural line starts. Suburbs, obviously, is something that Walnut Creek is known for, large neighborhoods, and, uh, and it always has been a suburb. But now downtown Walnut Creek is really an urban environment that people can live there Uh, with their families or singles. They, They can walk around everywhere. There's a free shuttle. It's close to BART. And so Walnut Creek really does now offer something for so many people, and they can not just work downtown or work in their areas, but then just walk around as well. With the pandemic, I think one of the silver linings that came out of that is that there is more of an acceptance for people to work from home now. And so people that can work from home in Walnut Creek and not have to worry about a commute to San Francisco or San Jose can enjoy living there and eating and and shopping all in one day without having to worry about getting on public transit or a car
0: for an hour. You guys have some of the best food in the county. I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you go down there, you could you could just go somewhere every night and not be bored. There's over
1: 200 restaurants in Walnut Creek, and we have almost every ethnicity of food.
0: Yeah, now let's keep the outdoor dining going. I agree. That's phenomenal, especially down there, and, and everyone will be happy.
1: <laughs> I um,
0: So, Kevin, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on at the last minute, and I know, I know you're going out of town. This is a totally uncomfortable podcast for a lot of people because you get into a lot of Tough issues, and and you've had to. You guys are down there, have had to face this head on. I know there's been issues in Brentwood, some in uh, other communities around the the country, but you guys get this over and over and over again. um, It's just pathetic. It's sad. Well,
1: it is sad, and I think it's more of a commentary on what's happening in America rather than what's happening in Walnut Creek. Walnut Creek isn't a welcoming community. It's actually the third largest shopping and dining district outs in the Bay Area, outside of San Francisco and San Jose. It's then Walnut Creek. So a lot of people know Walnut Creek, and they know that a lot of people come here for rallies, protests happen here, because it's at the corner of 680 and 24. So we get a lot of recognition. As we like to say, we punch above our weight when it come to a, a city size and the influence that we have. So I think we're going to attract people of all types so we get great rallies and uh, that park
0: is phenomenal for that
1: we've got we've got great parks for that and we welcome those kind of rallies as long as they're peaceful obviously but we've had everything from uh for women's marches that have ten thousand people to small gatherings in the park that might be for music or obviously arts and wine festival those kind of things so i think people are familiar with walnut creek and therefore they know that a statement can be made if they come and speak at a Walnut Creek meeting as opposed to a meeting in a much smaller city in the East Bay, they're not going to get the recognition that they would.
0: Yeah, I just would have never thought in 2024 someone would show up in public, go to a council meeting, come from out of town to a council meeting nevertheless, wearing a swastika shirt, and then use public comments to say some pretty nasty things. And if, if anybody wants to hear it, I'm not going to repeat it. You could go on the Walnut Creek City Council uh, YouTube page and watch the meeting if you want. I mean, that was pretty gross. It, it's and, you, and, and for those of you that didn't see it, you actually turned your chair around.
1: I did. I did. When this person got up and started walking down the aisle, I could see that they had a T-shirt that was now open to the audience because their shirt was they'd unbuttoned their outer shirt and it was a t-shirt that said white power and it had a swastika on it so i knew it was coming because we'd had zoom comments that were anti-semitic and racist uh, six to eight months ago which is why we cut off zoom actually and when i saw him coming down the aisle i knew exactly what was coming up and i turned my chair around i wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of looking me in the eye and spewing for two minutes these people don't have the courage to to say who they really are, so he gives a pseudonym, has sunglasses on the whole time, doesn't want to be recognized. And so hate lives in the shadows. And I wasn't going to give him that satisfaction.
0: What was, what was your, going on in your head when you had your back turned?
1: Listening to him, I just thought, how do you live with such hate in your heart, so much hate in your heart, that you're not only going to expose it publicly, but you're going to drive for an hour and a half from where this person resides to a city council meeting to spew hate for two minutes publicly.
0: Oh, so they really know who he is.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, the ADL, the FBI, police, they're all familiar with who this person is. In fact, he's the one, I know you're going to talk about this a bit, he's the one that was spreading hate flyers throughout neighborhoods, throughout the Bay
0: Area. Okay, so he has been identified. Yes. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, wow, so he drove 90 minutes to a meeting? Well, we know that he's from minutes? Modesto. So he, he, gets two,
1: he got two minutes. And uh, we do. We have a pretty lenient availability for people to speak at public comment. There are some cities that curtail it a bit, and they've used some different discretion of that.
0: And the county moved it to the end of the meeting for them.
1: The county, yes, they moved to the end of the meeting. We do want public comment to be something that the public feels comfortable in talking about city issues. Sure. And so having it at the top of the meeting allows people that if an item is not agendized, they can speak on any item. Yeah that isn't part of the agenda during public comment. And so a lot of people, they might have kids at home. These might be older people. We have a large senior population in Rossmore, And so we want to make it convenient for them. They can speak for up to 30 minutes in aggregate at the top of the meeting, and anything after 30 minutes would be at the end of the meeting.
0: But your speaker is limited to three minutes. Two minutes, Two actually.
1: Minutes. That's right. And so if we had everything at the end, it wouldn't be convenient for the people that really do have something to yeah. say. And I do want to say that, plus of the people have positive city issue comments that are important and things that we need to hear about as well. A very, very small fraction would have some kind of heinous comments like last night. And in fact, last night in person was the first kind of public comment we've had like that since we cut off Zoom in October.
0: Yes. Yes. Which, which I think cutting off Zoom's a, a great thing. I You want to have a comment? Go to the damn meeting. Go to the meeting. Um, I know Brentwood did a hybrid because they were getting a lot of crap, too, on their Zoom. Actually, you know, for those that don't know, Brentwood City Council members actually got a postcard mailed to their homes.
1: I did, too. Oh, you got the same one? And, and several people around the Bay Area did, and they didn't have to be Jewish to get it. Obviously, the ones in Brentwood yeah. got that, too. So these people don't care. It's Yes, they attacked me last night because I'm... I'm Jewish, and they attack the Jewish community. But they're going to spread hate regardless of the community, whether it's racism, anti-LGBTQ, Asian hate, It doesn't ma- ethnicity, Latino. It doesn't matter to them. They're just going to move from one to the next. So that's why people from Bretwood and other areas got these postcards too, because they're
0: just going to spread their hate. Yeah. Well, and, and so after last night, I mean, obviously you, you the meeting was over. You've had some time. Have you actually processed what happened?
1: Well, I thought certainly about how do we want to respond now that we've had you know, 12 hours to think about this. I responded immediately after that well, speech. Well, you had no choice. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think it's important to respond. You can rebuke. Um, th- we have decided that people are going to have two minutes with certain parameters. They're, they Typically can't use vulgarity, although this person did get a few comments in there by the end of their uh, comment. But we can certainly rebuke it. And so, one of the things that we want to think about, and something that I certainly think about, is what does exposure mean on this? And uh, and that's something that I think that Jews and marginalized communities have thought about for you know, hundreds of years.
0: Yeah. No, it's. Uh... And I go back to Penal Code 415, which is disturbing the peace, which covers a broad range of public, and I'm reading this, public uh, behavior such as loud arguments, loud noises, challenges to fights, and even offensive words that may provoke violent and immediate reaction from another person. So if I'm sitting here listening to this garbage, I'm just going to punch this guy in the face and cite 415. That person's going to get arrested.
1: Well, you hope so, right? It's all oh, on video. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're never sure how these things work. And actually, that really does give a lot more attention. In this particular instance, I think that rebuking in a civil manner shows that it was the right play. Right. Sh- shows that we understand this. We have police that are at our city council meetings. They were right there. There were there were three officers that were in the room watching what was going on. They were prepared for anything at, the, yeah.
0: anything and, at that point. And so for people that don't understand how city councils work and government meetings, uh, you are allowed three minutes, two, two to five minutes depending on the council uh, rules, to give a public comment of anything you wish. And you have to almost sit there and take it. And... It is what it is. It's part of the process.
1: That's that's uh, democracy in action.
0: Um, but you guys, since last or since spring of 2022, flyers and pamphlets in Danville, and then you had the White Lives Matters protest in Danville. Some of those flyers and protests went into Walnut Creek, June 2023. You guys had the pamphlets attacking Juneteenth and African Americans. A second set of flyers with anti-Semitic and nationalist remar- or white nationalist remarks. You had last June was when I believe the Zoom bombing began. And you even said this. This is your direct quote. We've seen a rise in 500% in anti-Semitic hate speech and incidents over the last 10 years with an equal rise of other hate incidents, speech targeted towards other groups. And then you also said anti-Semitism becomes tomorrow's racism, which I think is very powerful. Um, And then you said it kind of earlier becomes anti-Latino becomes anti-Asian becomes anti-Muslim becomes anti-LGBTQ and then the hate speech targets others. That's right. And here we are two years later and it's true.
1: Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately we're at a time that people feel empowered to be able to spread their hate. And there's, there's several things that have gone into this. Uh, I think first of all, We have had an administration in the past that essentially took the top off of Pandora's box and has uh, allowed there to be more oxygen when it comes to hate. But I think the biggest purveyors of this, unfortunately, are also one of the best technology advances that we've had in history, and that's social media. Social media is a great way to be able to share messaging. If we remember going back to the early days of Facebook, this was about sharing pictures and updates of what you're doing day to day. It was happy time. <laughs> it was. And then just like most things, people will figure out ways to be bad actors in this. And what social media does now is allow these individuals in this particular instance who have real hate that they want to be able to push out. Before they were in a corner, they didn't know how to find people that were similar to them. They might have a couple, but they certainly couldn't amplify that message beyond their own little group. Social media allows them to amplify that message. It allows it to be heard by people all over the country, in all over instantly. the world, in instantly. immediately. And so some people have posted about the meeting last night, and there were maybe hundreds of comments that are in support of the speaker last night because they found these people from all reaches of society. Most of them are anonymous in their handles, and obviously that's by design. But social media, unfortunately, has allowed for that to prosper. And then you have some platforms that have decided to allow anything. So they're not going to moderate the hate speech. They're going to allow it to remain on no matter how heinous in defense of the First Amendment, I guess. And and I think that has allowed this to really expand beyond it. But as you just mentioned, what starts at one point begins to escalate. And I think probably most people would feel that if you don't stop today's shoplifter, they become tomorrow's organized retail theft, carjacker, and escalating from there. That unless there is accountability and unless there is a way to curtail the immediate abuses; those initial abuses will only proliferate.
0: But do you think, though, that so you have you mentioned the the national politics of Pandora's box opening? But do you think the other sides use that as a tool to help get votes from the other side? It's certainly possible. Because I'm thinking, like, crush hate speech, regardless. Do it. Like, who cares about politics? Get the hate out of here. It, it's both. It's hard to say both sides.
1: All sides will use whatever is available to benefit themselves. That is true. And when it comes to hate, what I find interesting about hate speech specifically is there's, we all have opinions on a variety of different topics. And whatever you're feeling about, uh, whether it's police activity, shopping, inflation, or, you know, life's great because I, ha- I have my, my own household in my own little bubble, whatever it is. We have those opinions. Hate speech seems to be, to me, the one area that what you're trying to do is not benefit yourself, you're only trying to hurt others.
0: I would agree with that. And I I think for me, I got my rude awakening on hate speech and language back in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter. Um, I got really uncomfortable talking to a lot of people and realizing that some of the comments I was even allowing on the website social media, because I kind of didn't want to censor anybody. It's just like, hey, it's the microcosm of the community and what they're feeling and thinking, which, okay, maybe that's not the right thing to just have a free-for-all. There's got to be some limitation, but it it was a real wake-up call to me how much hate is out there in the world, and and I got accused of a lot of, even last night uh, or this morning posting the article. I'm getting like yelled at for not sharing their links to their website and the movie they want to show. Well, I'm not going to link out to that. Like, you want to do it, go find it on your own. I'll I'll do the quote, but I don't have to send the links. I think they want the attention.
1: That that's right. And I think what we also have to recognize is that by far and away, the greatest number of people are moderate, understanding, and typically are not ones that are going to. Comment on these kind of things. They may comment privately, but they're not going to comment publicly. And so the voices that we hear are the extremists. That goes for a lot of different things. On both sides. On both sides. That the loudest voices are the extremists, and so you're not going to get as many comments saying, "Thank you for posting this particular piece and story. This is important." You're going to get more people that are going to be outraged in one way or the other, and that's just human nature, I suppose. I just
0: want it to stop. I mean, we don't, this is city business. We don't need to be talking about hate speech. That, that's, right. that's what's crazy to me. These are business meetings and you got these knuckleheads and I'm not even referring to just what happened last night, but you have knuckleheads in every city that make these public comments about them and not city business, as If it's their only thing to do and that's what entertains them. So at what point do we stop these weaponized public comments?
1: Well, I think we're going to always have public comments because that's part of the democratic process and that's part of the Brown Act. And, and the, the Brown Act is where we have to allow the public to be able to comment. The let, question me rephrase,
0: let me rephrase, rephrase that a, a different way. At what point do people become more aware that their comments have become weaponized, not actually bettering the community?
1: Well, I think the people that are speaking specifically like the speaker last night know that. I, I don't think that's any kind of a surprise. They know they're weaponized. In fact, he even said at one point that hate speech is protected by the First Amendment. So he knows what he's doing is hate speech. The, I think the question is, how much can local governing bodies, and that can include cities, counties, school boards, uh state legislature, I suppose it, it continues to go up, how much do we allow in the name of freedom of speech? Because, for example, you can't go into a crowded theater and yell fire. So the, the First Amendment doesn't have just unlimited access. There are certain things you still can't do under freedom of speech. And so cities and governing bodies need to figure out what will we allow? For example, we decided not to allow Zoom. But a question that could be is, do we have to put somebody on video if they're speaking public comment and it's going into hate speech? You may hear the audio, but we don't have to have the camera on them. There's other cities that I've seen that said that public comment is for non-agendized city business. If they start to go into an area that is hate speech, they go, stop, you're cut off. That's not city business. And so it depends upon what the city attorney, the city manager, and the mayor decide to allow in any kind of public comment.
0: So what would you like to see?
1: Well, my feeling is, and I would have to have discussions with our city attorney on this, but if I were mayor, I would like to see that we don't allow any public comment for things that aren't city-related, that have to do with the city. That's still a lot of different topics, but it excludes hate speech. We already ex- we already will cut people off if they start using vulgarity. Yeah, and so there's already that aspect there. Uh, in Walnut Creek, like most cities in Contra Costa, we have a rotating mayor. We're not directly elected. I know Brentwood is directly elected mayor, and so every mayor is going to have their own take on how to work with our city manager and city attorney. But we've pushed the boundaries before on issues. That we felt were important, for example, having a buffer zone around Planned Parenthood where, where patients that are going in can't be harassed within eight feet. There's an eight-foot-wide buffer that has to be around them so they can go in to see a doctor in the clinic, and uh, that's something we took on. We were the first city in the East Bay to do that.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the things that's sticking out to me about last night is after the comments, you apologized. Why did you feel the need to apologize?
1: It was apologizing to our community on behalf of them having to hear that. It wasn't that I was personally apologizing for me. It was that these people that are hearing this are hearing hate speech amplified through a platform the city council provides. And even though by law we do need to provide that, it was more of an understanding that I apologize that people have to hear that. Students listen to city council meetings for school projects. Sure. Uh, there's young people that are in government. We have a youth commission that are made up of high school students. So these are not just adults sitting in the room that have, have been around the block. And unfortunately, with what was said, eight-year-olds might hear that this is broadcast on YouTube. It's on our city website. It's on cable TV. There's thousands of people that watch this that I don't even know all of them personally because they don't necessarily contact with us. So we don't know what families that are listening to this. And for that, I apologize that they had to hear that.
0: Yeah. Cause your, your fellow council members look stunned. Like nobody had, I mean, the two ladies just looked like deer in headlights.
1: Uh, it was a shocking scenario. You could literally hear a feather drop in that chamber because it was such an anomaly and so outrageous. And so at that point, I had to, to break the silence and say something and respond and and rebuke the person. Yeah, And this
0: is where I'm going to give Antioch and Brentwood both credit because they decided not to bring back Zoom comments because back in October 2023, you guys ended it, Brentwood ended it. Concord, Sacramento, Serres, Modesto, Livermore, Redwood City, Santa, uh, Santa Rosa, County of Santa Rosa, they all eliminated it because of the public comment abuse on Zoom. Um, you know, y- you you personally have been singled out on the Lafayette Bridge. That's weird. Right. I mean, wh- what have you done that's so bad to be putting a banner on a f- bridge?
1: Well, nothing. I, mean, and I caught again, myself there. I mean, <laughs> it's not that anything that I did personally. These are people that have such hate that they're going to use marginalized communities to spread whatever hate they can. So uh, I'm an easy target because I'm Jewish. There's people that are African-American. They're easy targets because they're black. There's people that are gay. And so because they're part of the LGBTQ community, they're easy targets. This is everywhere. You, could, I could give you a council member that's, in, uh, in areas of Contra Costa, that is constantly abused because of their gen, uh, because of them being part of the LGBTQ community. And I would imagine that many of our uh, minorities that are in public office have also seen that similar kind of abuse. So it's not that anything that I've done bad or anything that anybody has done bad, they're picking at this point on the Jewish community. And unfortunately, the war in Gaza is certainly not helping because that's just enraged passions even more.
0: Yeah, and, and speaking of that, so I mean, have you had any direct threats to you?
1: Not personal threats, and I'm I'm in certainly close contact with our police department and the ADL, and the FBI is in contact with the ADL, and so there has been no personal threats on me. This is threats to our community, but I want to I want to stress this and this is important when an attack like last night or any time happens on me as an individual or truly anybody as an individual because of their identity, because of a marginalized group that they may be part of, when that person and group is attacked, it's an attack on all of us. It's an attack on all of our freedoms. We should all be outraged. People shouldn't be sitting there going, that's too bad for the Jewish community. No, this is all of us. Have we learned nothing through history? And so that's why I stand up for any marginalized community that is a target of hate speech. Frankly, it's one of the reasons that I'm probably a target myself because I've stood up against hate speech. What we've seen is that anybody that stands up against these groups, they then put themselves essentially in a target. So we need the entire community. It's one thing that if... If somebody who's African American stands up and says that's racism, and they're and and they are as a group rebuking racism, it's so much more powerful when those of us that are white, Hispanic, Jewish, Muslim that we all stand up against racism. In this case, anti-Semitism. In other cases, LGBTQ. That's by a factor of ten more powerful than the, just the group that's been marginalized and targeted.
0: So I want to. And this might be controversial in, in a statement, but to me, it's like the media treats anti Semitism weird because we're supposed to be emotional over hate speech, over homophobia, sexism, Islamophobia. But when it comes to Jews, it's like the media does a story, it happened, and then we move on. Whereas other groups, it's like we're supposed to be emotional over it. Like, am I off on that? I was. It just seems bizarre to me.
1: It is interesting. What there's about two point three percent of the population is Jewish, and over, about sixty percent of all hate speech and hate crimes are anti-Semitic. I mean, what a what a disconnect! Yeah. But far and away, more crimes against a a very small fraction of the community, and I think it's the fact that. In Judaism, you've only got about a 2% of the population. It's almost easier to say, well, that's not me. Uh,
0: okay, but then it, I, I could say the same thing on the anti-Asian you know, hate crimes that are going on. It's like, okay, they happened, they moved on, right? So it's like, it's just weird to me the media spin on it where I don't think any of this stuff should be happening to anybody.
1: Uh, well, I c- couldn't agree more with that, Mike, but I, I do believe that you've got, uh, that, that people don't, see, maybe even know as many people that are Jewish. And so it's not something where you can't walk down the street and necessarily identify somebody that's Jewish, where you can if somebody's Asian or black or uh, or you know Latino. And so does the media move on quickly? It's hard to say. It's one of the conflicts that I have as well of how much do we want to publicize something like this that happens.
0: And, and that's where I'm conflicted. And, and I'm glad you came on because I... I don't think staying in silence, the correct thing to do, but you also don't want to give it oxygen to keep growing either. So how do we talk about it without, you know, adding fuel to the fire?
1: And, and that is the age old quandary. So about a hundred years ago, Jews in Germany and in Europe felt that we're not going to talk about the Nazis and Hitler, we're just going to ignore them because we don't want to make ourselves targets and we don't want to inflame the situation. That didn't work out too well for them. And so the Jewish community now and several groups that really uh, are very, that are leaders of the Jewish community, and these are things like the Anti-Defamation League, the Jewish Community Center, um, American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, there's a variety of different groups out there that have really said, it's important to call out outrageousness and to rebuke this because silence equals acquiescence and hate lives in a vacuum. And so if we just ignore this and act like it's just another day and it's just another opinion, that's the problem. These haters want hate speech to become normalized for us to become numb to it. And we can't allow that to happen. And so I have proudly stood up and called out hate speech for what it is, whether it's anti-Semitic, or, or, again, anti-ethnicity, racist, whatever it is. Because when we start to normalize it and not, and not act like it's outrageous is when hate wins. And so I appreciate you wanting to have me on and the media really having this as a lead story because it's outrageous.
0: Well, you've... Been- for those of you that haven't really followed your career, not in Walnut Creek, I mean, you've you've been a part of a lot of different groups supporting a lot of different um, events, people. I see you as somebody that maybe hasn't done the big political moves, but you've made the moves to bring people together. And I think that's just as important.
1: Well, Thank you. I appreciate that. It's something that I take very seriously. I want people to be able to come together because I love our area. I've lived in four countries around the world, and I have. I went to high school in Walnut Creek, moved away for a number of years, ended up coming back to raise my family in Walnut Creek. I did that because I love the area. So why wouldn't I want to be able to bring people together and enjoy our area? And it's something that I take, I take very seriously. It's why I have led at statewide conferences in Sacramento where we've got mayors and council members from across the state I've led sessions where we have had people on on our dais uh, of, of, of all sorts of minorities standing up against hate and how we as elected officials can stand up against hate and take a stand and, and rebuke it. And we've really all taken an oath to do that. And so that is something that's very important. What's interesting is that in my background of, of everything that I did before I ever ran for public office, I've always been Jewish and I've always been proud of it and I was bar mitzvah. I did not run on being Jewish. Nobody except people that really knew me well even knew I was Jewish until I was pointed out and targeted. And not that I cared that people know that I'm Jewish. Well,
0: and that's what happened to Ken Carlson.
1: In terms of...
0: Just him outing himself or getting outed for his background and who he loves. And it was just completely ridiculous.
1: Right, because it has nothing to do with our policies. And so people it's not until 2019 did anybody even know that i was jewish and and then in 2022 in in fact i would even say 2021 is when there started to be some real anti-semitic things that started to mention a jewish council member in walnut creek it was the first time in my life i'd experienced anti-semitism really I'd never experienced anti-Semitism directly to me. I'd say, I can't believe what's happening over in that city. I can't believe what's happening across the country. I can't believe people are calling out this this council member, this senator uh, with anti-Semitic slurs. But now it happened to me wow. after I became a council member and a public official.
0: How's it made you grow?
1: Certainly more understanding of how people that don't have a voice and are part of perhaps marginalized communities or minorities that depend upon their representatives to be their voice for them. And that's, I take that extremely seriously that I I know that I need to be that that voice, not just for the Jewish community, but for any minority community, because people may feel you know, I'm a housewife or I'm raising two kids, I'm a single mom and I'm working 14 hours a day. How can I speak out for myself? So I and other council members, mayors, assembly members, senators all need to speak out for these people because the public depends upon them to have their best interests and to protect them.
0: Yeah, so, and I I think that's an amazing growth, but, you know, you, you talk about, the public, you know, speaking out, rebuking this. And at what point is that not enough? Because it, to me, you could talk it down all you want, but it's still going to keep coming and coming and coming. And I know it's been that way for thousands of years. Like I I get it with the Jewish people, but at what point does it, do we need to like educate people on on Jewish culture and the the way of living? Or is it just the media is going to run with it and spin the story anyway, especially with what's going on in the Middle East?
1: I hope that we are educating people along the way. There, As you mentioned, there's always going to be hate. What we have to do is we need to make sure that when people hear the hate, that they have the education that comes along with it, so that people have the tools to rebuke the hate on their own. I'm one voice. But if my message can get out to a 1,000 people of what they can do to stand up for people that they may see near them. Somebody's, for example, somebody's in the checkout line of a store, and they hear somebody being abusive with with hate speech to a clerk or somebody next to them, and not just ignoring it and being silent, but actually saying, no, that's not right. I don't know who you think you are, but you don't represent anybody that that I would want to be around. Until people start to hear that and become empowered and being able to say that, that's the education process. And so hopefully we continue to be able to move along that line.
0: Yeah, I, I just... It's just pathetic to me what's what's going on. And, and, you know, one of the good things that did come out of this, though, is the Bay Area Network of Jewish Officials, Banjo. And, and you announced that at a Walnut Creek Council meeting, I think, last year?
1: Probably about two Four, years ago. Two years ago. Yeah.
0: And explain what that is, because I, I think that's a really cool— that I think it was like 50 uh, elected officials at the time. Maybe it's grown.
1: Yeah. So this was run by the Jewish Community Relations Council in San Francisco— and they recognized that there were about 40, 50 Jewish elected officials in the Bay Area. Uh, and most of them were targeted, right? Well, it's, it's not that they were targeted necessarily, but there would th- be things that come up. There would be something anti-Semitic. There might be the flyers, there might, and this was even prior to the Zoom calls, but we were I was out there on my own trying to figure out what's the response. And so what they did was they got this collective body together of now it's about 50, 60 Elected officials in the Bay Area that were able to share what's happened. So, for example, last night I shared what's happening to give people a heads up on what they can be aware of. So, here's how it came here's how one thing that came into play. When we had the Zoom bombs, Walnut Creek was the first city that experienced these Zoom anti Semitic calls. I let the banjo community know, they let all of their cities know. So, when people started calling in there, they were prepared. They had statements, they were prepared ahead of time to maybe either cut people off or to take a break whatever it was they weren't acting on their own we were all able to share our best practices and then the jcrc through banjo came out with a list of uh, maybe a dozen different options that that cities and counties could do if zoom bombing happened didn't have to have a jewish elected official there they sent that out to everybody in the bay area that's how it's effective
0: i like that and so what's i mean what kind of relationship have you built there then
1: Oh, Terrific. I I count friends that are council members and mayors across 30 different cities now. And these include district attorneys, city attorneys, county board of supervisors, state senators, state assembly members. This has been able to help us coalesce as a community and be able to talk about what's important, not just for our community, but how we can help each other overcome hate, anti-Semitism. And what's really important about this too is it's not just anti-Semitism. We all understand what it means when there's hate speech and how it moves from group to group. And so we want, again, this to be as big a tent as possible so we have people that are associated with us that aren't Jewish because they also want the resources that we have and we want to be able to help their communities too.
0: And And I think that gets back to the whole live and let live, like stop attacking people. How do we all live better together and and this is where I go back to where me personally, it's like the left and the right have just ruined everything. And how do we get more back to the middle and actually live and help one another? I think most
1: people are somewhere moderate left to moderate right. I think that's probably 70% of the country.
0: But it doesn't feel that way.
1: It doesn't, does it? Because <laughs> Because, again, the loudest voices come from the extremes.
0: Yeah. And, and we're seeing more and more national incidents, just like, you know, Nashville had their one last week or whatever that was. Um, what are you seeing like worldwide? Because I know you're traveling a lot. Like, what, what, are you, what, what is the media getting wrong in your view of what's going on in the world?
1: Unfortunately, I think that most of American media is very, very focused on America. Uh, we don't have as much knowledge about the rest of the world as the rest of the world has about the rest of the world. So I'm going to Australia, and I will find out what's happening there when it comes to hate speech, anti-Semitism, and, and other things. I have uh, was recently in Asia, where I was able to find out what was going on there.
0: And what was going on? And- uh, just that
1: people feel more empowered in being able to spread that, and the media... The media does cover that. The media, it, well, in some countries, the media, the uh, China, hate, count. Hate, <laughs> hate speech isn't allowed, so they're actually arrested. But I'm hearing about it from other areas, other people in other countries that they're seeing a rise of hate speech as well and anti-Semitism. So it's important that that we understand what's happening in the rest of the world as well, and and what we're seeing most of internationally right now is Ukraine. And I think that's very, very important because that even we don't have, uh, we don't have soldiers there, but that's a front line in the, in democracy, frankly, Uh, we there's in Israel and Gaza. And that's another international point. Those two are what we're hearing most about. I think most people, if you were asking them what's happening in South America right now, nobody would know.
0: Well, they're all coming here. Well, (laughs) that's another topic. (laughs) Um, have you been to Israel recently to, to know what's going on there? Because I know, I don't think we're getting the story both on Ukraine, Russia, or Israel, Palestine. I mean, I'm learning more on some of these podcasts that are actually sharing from the ground what's going on. I mean, it's, it's weird what I'm hearing versus what the media is reporting.
1: Uh, I was in Israel through Banjo last March, so almost a year ago, obviously before October 7th and the massacre that happened. We were on the border of Gaza. We were on one of the kibbutz, visited people there, one of them that was invaded by Hamas and had over 100 people killed and kidnapped. Uh, that was Kfar We've heard that in the news a lot. We also went to the West Bank. We met with Arab leaders. We met with the, uh, the main poll, uh, survey and poll taker, uh, for the Palestinians, and he told us the issues as well. And we met with members of the Knesset. So we got a really full understanding of, of both sides of the equation. Now, this was before, uh, bef- before the atrocities and before the war. So different time right sure. now from people that have been there since have told me that Israel has changed mentally. Like, now they really do feel like this is what happens when we... When, when you know, we're just, we're trying to live our lives in Israel. So I haven't been there since October and and uh, take, take that with, uh, take that for that. But my feeling of what I saw then was this is really complicated. This is going to take a long time. We all want to work toward a two-state solution. And there is uh, distrust on both sides. That's the biggest thing that came out of it, just distrust on both sides.
0: What about... I don't want to put out rumors out there, but I mean, as deep down, is it's all about that canal that they want to do? No. See, and I hate when people put that stuff out.
1: No, it's in, in fact. I mean, there's a lot of different issues. For me personally, this is just Kevin Wilk speaking, not on a yeah. not for anybody else. So I'm having you on. <laughs> but, but I think that the settlements that have expanded in the West Bank are a problem and that is certainly, and the fact that Palestinians want a a state of their own. And so a two-state solution is something that the U.S. government supports, that the JCRC supports, and many people around the world support. Who doesn't support it is the current Netanyahu government in Israel. And so the Palestinians don't trust Netanyahu. The Israelis and the Palestinians actually don't trust Abbas, who's the leader of the Palestinian Authority and leading the West Bank. And so, again, this mutual distrust is going on. And uh, I I think that that two-state solution, while it's it's the only way there's going to be peace in the future, it's going to take a long time to get there because now, post-October 7th, this is not a conversation among Israelis.
0: Yeah. And so I want to kind of bring this back to America. Yep. because we have a lot of the Palestine Jewish back and forth at these council meetings. How do we bring everyone together? I mean, that would be phenomenal if we could just talk and not be angry at one another.
1: I, I think the more that we understand each other of where they're coming from, the, the one thing that I do when I meet with constituents that aren't happy about a certain project or they're not happy about a vote or, or whatever it is they're not happy about, I listen to them. I ask questions. I want to hear them out. I'm not trying to talk over them. That's one thing that I've really learned in being a public official is people in many cases just want to be heard. They just want to make sure that that somebody is listening to what they have to say and there becomes more understanding along that as well. There was an interaction that I had. There was an interaction I had Shortly after I first got on City Council, 2016, my background was in internet marketing. I worked for companies like Microsoft and Yahoo. I was Mr. Communication because if I was contacting with a client, or we we or you know, it was a sales call, I was always emailing or or calling. Sure. And so I got a letter from somebody who was not happy with one of our votes on council, and the it was a 5-0 vote, and she wrote. I, I we got actually hundreds of letters on this and wrote to me personally, if somebody writes to me personally, I make it a policy, I'm going to get back to them. And so she wrote me, I didn't like your vote. I, you know, did not appreciate that. I responded to her and I, and I told why I voted the way I did that taking into all these things, I just didn't say, you know, thank you or didn't say nothing. And I, I told her why left it at that. Didn't think anything would ever resonate. And I saw this woman at an event about six months later. And she came up to me. And she introduced herself. Said, "Kevin, I'm um, so and so. I want to let you know that I didn't like the vote you took on that, and I wrote to you about that. But you're the only one that responded to me after that, and I appreciate that. And for that, you'll have my support. And it wasn't that I that I was so happy that she would have that I would have her support in a vote. It's that that meant something to her that I responded, that I heard her." And I think that's how we can bring people together, is by asking questions, understanding, and finding a common ground, at least that we can appreciate. We don't necessarily have to agree on everything. We can find the common ground that we can have civil discussions on. When we're just trying to talk over each other, which unfortunately social media and and online makes that way too easy to do, we're not hearing each other. When was the last time you, or anybody listening to this, when was the last time you were convinced to change your position because of what you saw on social media?
0: That's a tough one. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mostly put it out, so I don't change my position. No, but I, I think what, what happened back in in October, November, December with the Richmond City Council meeting, that three or four-hour meeting with all the public comments, people were angry. Granted, they have every right to be angry. You know, you had Brentwood had another angry meeting. You've had other cities with angry meetings. You've had protests, counter-protests. I mean, are we can we get past the angry and just start talking? I mean, are we getting there? It's, I been, would, it's been a while.
1: I would like to think that we can get there. And there's, there are ways that council members, in, when you're talking about local government, can do things to keep the temperature down. And I would hope that we can get there. When there's advocates that are busing people in from other cities, it's harder because they're there on a one agenda mission.
0: Yep. And that's what happens, and that's what sometimes you don't really see. But you guys all know it, you know it. So, um, in closing, I mean, what, what are your kind of what are your final thoughts? I mean, what do you want to see happen going forward?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate you having me on, Mike, and I think that this is important, which is why I came down for this. We we want to make sure that first of all, we call out outrageous behavior and speech for what it is that we don't normalize it, and I want people to be able to understand more. If you don't understand a group of people or group of concerns, and I'll give an example that probably most people can can agree with. Defund the police was something that came out in 2020, and there were a couple people that ran for Walnut Creek City Council that were in favor of defunding the police. I was certainly not one of those, but I asked them why. What were their reasonings for wanting to defund the police? I certainly didn't agree with them, but we could have a conversation about that. And one of the responses to me as an example was, well, if we reduce the police by 50%, there'd be less crime. And I said, really, how do, how do you figure that? Well, because people would have enough money, we could spend money in other places. Okay, so what about Concord? What about Pleasant Hill? What about every city around Walnut Creek? I mean, how are you going to stop crime from happening? Isn't there crime prevention? But we could at least have this conversation. Again, we didn't have to agree with each other at the end. But just even having that dialogue allows us to put a human face and a person and emotion behind that rather than just talking to a blank entity on a, on a
0: computer screen. There's so much more I want to say on this topic, and I know we're running out of time, so we'll leave it at that. But I, I think the point is we all got to start talking to each other, not shouting down, getting physical, you know, abusing public comment process. And, you know, I'm really glad the FBI and some of these groups know who this guy is and that makes me feel a little better because i didn't think they knew who he was
1: yeah so they have eyes on him
0: good well kevin i want to thank you so much again i'm i'm sorry you guys are going through this and i'm hoping for everybody else like we could all just come together and, and stop with this nonsense hate and start kind of working together so well i certainly agree thanks mike um for everyone else do me a favor favor hit like subscribe and share and visit me at contra Costa. News. take care